Well, good evening. Welcome to Legacy City Church, if this is your, your first time here. Everyone else, I think, is here. Sorry, we're not going to embarrass you or anything. We, we, try to, we try to just kind of let every guard down and just kind of chill. This is just, we, we kind of treat this like a family time, family gathering. So, And someone else is sneaking in right now. I think that's Pam. Yay. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's funny. So anyway, welcome. We are ready to just kick this evening off. So uh, first, and oh man, that went all by itself. I didn't even touch it. Hopefully it's not on a timer. I got to Uh-oh. Well, we'll find out. And then there's Jill. Yay, Jill made it. And uh, yeah, so everybody's comfortable. Y'all good? So Thursday evenings, we have 7 p.m. prayer time if you choose to come and gather with us. Just got to say this last uh, Thursday evening was pretty fun. We, we usually do about 10 minutes of worship and then just to kind of stoke the fire a little bit. We want to worship Jesus and invite his presence. And I don't know, our worship time ended and then we just had quiet music playing and I think a little holy laughter broke out. <laughs> It wasn't like rolling on the floor laughter. It's just joy. I felt yeah. felt yeah. like joy was joy bombs were just going off here and there in the room, and we didn't want to rush anything. We just were like, okay, we sense your presence here, Lord, and and then it just just kept on coming out. Just a deep laughing from the not not crazy hilarious roaring, but it was just it was refreshing. It was very refreshing. So, you never know. You know, we, we always, I always have this little rock up here that says, expect the unexpected. You can't see it because it's fading wow. away and it's gray and black ink on a gray rock. But it says, expect the unexpected. Somebody gave us that a long time ago. And you just never know. You know, you read the Bible and you see it is filled with supernatural signs and wonders. Things happen to people. Um, Jesus, you know, we look at his life, his ministry. We look at the book of Acts where the the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus were walking in supernatural signs and wonders and there were angels that would show up, people would have chains in prison breaking off. You just never know what God is going to do. But one thing we know for certain is that although we can't see the spiritual realm with our natural eyes, you know, right now we're looking at each other in this room, there's walls, there's windows, carpet, lights, but there's also another dimension to our reality. There is the realm of the spirit. So right now, we can know because the Bible tells us that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He, he can see all things at all times. Um, the Bible tells us that there is no place we can go to escape his presence. If we go to the bottom of the sea or go to the highest heights of the heavens, there you are there. You are there with me. So. If God is, is able to be all-encompassing, all around us, all at the same time, then we might as well allow our thinking, our imagination, to open up, open up enough to think, okay, well, if that's the truth, then he's here with us right now. So just on that fact, I just begin right now and I say, Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. You don't even have to close your eyes and bow your heads to pray. I mean, sometimes that's helpful. But yeah, Lord, we just recognize your presence. And we even invite you tonight to come 
and be the, the main guest of honor in this place, that you would release your presence, release your Holy Spirit in a tangible way this evening. God, we, we want to know you. We don't want to play church. We just want to know you. We want to encounter you. We want to hear your voice. Um, we, want to, we want to know your word. We want to know the Bible and, and let it go deep into our hearts. So we recognize you tonight. So Thursday evenings, see, I'm not saying amen because I'm not like going to hang up the phone on him. The phone is still open. The, the, we're on speakerphone with heaven right now. So Thursday evenings at 7, if you are interested to come check it out, you know, there's no obligation to come every week. If you just want to pop in and join us, you're welcome. Let's open up with this scripture. We will read this Bible verse together, and then Tammy will pray. Is that okay? Will you pray? Will you pray for us? I will pray for us. Okay, would you trade me sides? Yes, I'm trying to not be in the way here. Oh, okay. Okay, so here's Psalm 100, verse 4, and it is from the Passion Translation. This is kind of the, the opening verse for our worship time tonight. It says, you can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him affectionately and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. So we start with that reality that the Lord... Jesus Christ, our God, he is always good, and he's always ready to receive us. He wants to welcome every one of us into his presence tonight. He doesn't want anyone in this room or anyone that will walk in later to feel any obstacle keeping them from coming right into his presence to, to come to a, a deeper relationship with him, to allow him to come and, and minister to your heart and do things that maybe you can't even see or feel, but definitely a real supernatural spiritual work that he wants to do inside of our hearts, inside of our spirit. You know, how many of us understand, you know, we, we go through a lot. We are exposed to a lot in this world. The world is a wild and crazy ride. It's like a roller coaster at times or a merry-go-round. It's just constantly moving. Whether you stand still or not, it keeps moving. And things come our way, things that we can't see, things we don't understand. And sometimes it is stuff we can see and, and it has an effect on us. So God wants to minister to us. As we minister to him in worship, as we take this, this scripture, the password of praise and coming in with thanksgiving, thanksgiving and praise are the way to come into his presence. It's what's fitting for us. It's what's right. So why don't we stand up? Let's just prepare, even yeah. now before Tammy prays, let's just begin by giving him thanks. Yeah. And in your own words, even if, you're, even if you don't want to say it out loud, but if you do, that'd be great. Just, just take a minute now. And, yes. uh, Tammy's going to pray for us, but just take a minute and give him thanks on your own. <coughs> just tell him thank you. Yes, Father, thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for life. Thank, thank you for, you for breath. You've done, Father. Thank you for strength yes, Jesus. and for health. Thank you that we are alive in this room right yes, now. Jesus. That we have peace in our lives. Yes, Thank Father. you that we are in a land of peace and, and safety right now. Mm. That there is no war happening in our in our city, in our state. Thank you, God. In our nation, even. We know there's things happening. But thank you, God, that we live right now for this time and in this place. Yes. We give you praise, Lord. Yes. 
Yes, Father, we come to you tonight. We come into your presence with, thank with thanksgiving and praise tonight, Father. God, we're so grateful for everything you've done, God, and everything that you're going to do. So, God, we just lay everything down at your feet tonight. Anything that's weighing on us or we may be concerned about, Father, we just lay it down at your feet. And we just say, have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, come. Come and just fill us. Several of us were just sensing in the room just this heaviness when we were first starting out in worship tonight. I'm just going to sit down with you guys, with some of you. <laughs> we're just sensing a heaviness, and um, the reality is he is with us in the fire. He's with us through every battle, through every obstacle, through every wall. He's here with us now. And he is the one who lifts, he lifts things. He, he pulls the stuff off of us that tries to crush. So tonight, Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We welcome your ministry, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to come and establish the kingdom and the rule and the reign of Jesus, our majesty, Jesus, the majestic one. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Even if it's heavy, we just come to your throne this evening. We come and we, we just bow down before you. We declare you're worthy. You're worthy. You are creator God. You are the rescuer. You are the one who brings life and hope. You are the one who holds the universe and everything we can touch and feel and see. You hold it all together with the power, the power of your spoken word. We thank you, God, that you have invited us to partner with you, that you've invited us to co-labor with you, that you've given us authority in the name of Jesus, authority to shift, to break things, to shift the atmosphere where there's heaviness, Lord. We, we bring the release through our declaration. And tonight we declare where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so we declare freedom into this room tonight. Freedom. We push back every spirit, every hindrance. And we take authority. We take authority over this room, over this gathering in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've designed us to use our words to create, to create worlds, to create destiny in our lives. We thank you for your word, and we take your word and we speak it tonight, Lord. We speak your truth. We speak what we are hearing from you. We speak what is written. God, open up our mouths. Give us revelation tonight of the power of our own words. Forgive us where we've spoken 
doubt and death and where we've opened up the door for other things other than you, other than your kingdom to come through. And we just, we just close those doors tonight. We just shut the door and we speak your kingdom come. We speak the declaration, kingdom of God, come. Spirit of God, come in this room. More of you, God. We know you're here already, but we're asking for more. Increase, increase your presence in this place. Let your angels be released in this room tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that even if we haven't prayed for healing, you're already healing hearts tonight. You're releasing hope in this room. That you're strengthening weary souls. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the anchor. You are the anchor. We hold fast to you, Jesus. Our hope is in you, God. Our hope is in you. Spirit to encourage and to strengthen and to impart. And so uh, I just, uh, those of you that you know who you are, if you uh, flow in the prophetic, um, if you feel like you have a word to bring to help just direct us tonight, then the door is open, the microphone is open. Yes, I saw a hand point to you. okay this is this is your house so get as loud as you want did you have something Bella, you want okay here I'll, I'll just put the microphone we're not fussy guys we don't we don't need to do things perfect here but I'm just gonna put the microphone right here so in front of you so when you read Gideon, Gideon, the man of valor, and also about Esther. And he wanted me to encourage the body today about these two heroes. So, and, and after this, after I, I speak of Esther, he wants me to declare the mantle of Gideon over every man, every woman, and every child tonight. Because this is the place that we're at. And uh, you know God wins. So I wasn't feeling very well today. 
that's like one oh, where I said, maybe I'll just rest because I've been running ragged and ministering not only here, but the family. And uh, so I said, yeah, let me just rest today, Lord. <laughs> and then he started downloading. I go, okay, here we go. You know, no, I want you to, I want you to speak my word. This is what I've called you to do. You sat back way too long now, you know, but now it's time for you to step out and show people, other people, the fire starters actually is in this place. I want you to speak to the fire starters and encourage each and every one of them about who they are in me, Christ Jesus. And, you know, like the story of Esther, I, you know, I encourage you to read the book of Esther because he is saying, I want you to liken it like on today. And Esther, of course, the Lord, you know, chose this Jewish girl. And he said that she was born for a time such as this. As you are born for a time such as this. And so you, if you read, read the story of Esther, which I want you to read in more detail, uh, uh, she had an uncle or cousin, whatever you call Mordecai. And uh, he heard, you know, certain things. So Esther became the queen. I'm just going to cut it, you know. And uh, King Xerxes, he has all kind of ways to pronounce his name, but I'm going to say Xerxes. She became queen to King Xerxes. And uh, there was this tyrant, this demoniac, this demon in human skin back then, and uh, his name was Haman. And he was there to kill a nation that was going to produce our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he had this plan to do this, to kill the Jews. That was his plan. He even raised up this, the, the guillotines or the gallows or the, yeah, gallows, and uh, for, to hang some of these Jews. So word got out. Mordecai told Queen Esther about what was about to happen and what his plan was. And so the story is what Queen Esther said, if I perish, I perish. But she's going to do what thus says the Lord to save her people. And so she did. And she told the king, she partitioned the king. But the story that the Lord says, I want you to liken it unto today, short, making it short, that I want you to tell my people they are Esther. You're Esther. You're Esther. I know it's weird, but you're Esther because you're the church. He said, today my church is Esther. And the King Xerxes is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we petition him to bring down the tyrants, to bring down the Hamans of this time that are trying to squash the church, to eliminate the body of Christ. Because, you see, demons fear us. And if you do it in a certain way that the government will try to mask you 
and vaccinate you and lock you down, then we got them. But the Lord says, I raised you up for a time such as this. You are raised up to be an Esther because I call you my Esther. And that's what he says today. Church, we are the heroes of this day. We are the church and the body of Christ. We are washed in his blood. We have him living in us. He speaks to us. He downloads his word in us. He gives us power to tread upon the Hamans, the serpents, the scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. You know, they, they're afraid of us. That's why they're trying to shut us down. Because they, they know that this is the only way, this is the only way that uh, the humans, I'm saying that we are, you know, are going to exist on this earth. Because they are like part something else, okay? The ones that are trying to take us down. So the same gallows that they are trying to kill us with, they will hang themselves. And that is the end of the story. God wins. He always wins. He sees the end from the beginning. And so don't be oppressed. Don't be depressed because the Lord says, I am with you always. I will never leave I will never forsake you. I'm with you throughout the end. And the Lord says, I'm raising you up. You Gideons, you men, women, and children of valor. And so now I'm just going to do what the Lord said for me to do. Lord, I thank you right now for the Gideons of this time. Men, women, and children. The Lord says, I place this mantle upon you, my man of valor, my woman of valor, my child of valor right now. You will have no fear in this time, for I impart into you my spirit of valor, of courage, and of boldness to go forth and do what I have called you to do. I have put into my body the five-fold ministry, and I'm raising you up right now, all you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all the whole five-fold ministry right now. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the mantle has been dropped upon each and every individual, and they know what they are called to do. But now, Lord, even though they were afraid, like Gideon was at first, saying, I am a nobody, I don't know. Lord, you say, I know, and I called you, and I birthed that out of you right now. I bring out those gifts, I bring out that anointing in the name of Jesus, and he says, I win. Are being raised as Esthers. 
in a, in a world that's gone crazy, he's raising up Esther churches. And also with Gideon, though we be small, we are mighty. And um, Gideon did think he was the weakest and how could he do anything? And so he thought, well, if he had a huge number of soldiers, he could probably do it. But then when God kept taking them and, you know, making it smaller and smaller and smaller, I'm sure he got a little nervous. <laughs> but that's what God does is he takes the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so I just wanted to add that. And he does. special young man we're all special to our God right but I just feel like he just wants to really appreciate you today tonight um, you have such a delicate heart a gentle heart you have such a kind heart that God is just um, protecting your heart but I could see like in the future how God is going to use you when when people come to visit or in social gatherings I see God going to use you like you're going to notice them and just a kind word or one word from you is just going to impact them and and God's going to use you to share his love with people but something about your heart God is just really appreciating you tonight and he he wants you to know how much he appreciates you and that your heart is beautiful to him and also I'm supposed to tell you that you're so handsome <laughs> and um, and if you don't know that you're handsome you're very handsome and that's important God created you just as you are so I just felt like he really wanted me to point that out to Ethan how special you are to him amen for their first time typically I just kind of ask God if there's anything that he has for them and uh, oftentimes I'll just feel led to their first name so Landon I do feel like God gave me a little just a word for you so you don't have to do anything just you only thing you have to do is choose to receive it just be like yeah I'll take it for myself or you can say no I don't want to take it but I think you'll want to take it because it's a good word <clears throat> do you know what your name means so your name means you google it it says it's uh 
either a long hill. So just kind of picture, picture a big open plain and a hill that just gradually goes higher and higher and higher as it goes up. And then there's a ridge at the top. So it means long hill or ridge. And so God always makes significant things about uh, the way we're designed, our name, our our style, our hair color, all the things about you are unique, each one of us, even your name, even though you might have the same name others have, there's something about your name that God speaks. And this is what I felt like he said. I feel like he said in this life, in this life, God has established for you. He's, He's set and established boundary lines for you. He has a plan and it's like a Like an architect, he's made these boundary lines. He's drawn them out in advance for you to walk in these things. So he's established awesome. I'll use a word, normally I would say pleasant because it's scriptural. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Well, for you, I think they're just, they're gonna be awesome. As you discover what God has prepared for you you, as you walk in life, you're gonna be like, this is awesome. God really is awesome. They're boundaries for you to walk in, to dream in, to explore inside of, and to walk with him within those boundaries. See, it's possible for any of us to walk outside of those boundaries, but that's not where the blessings at. That's not where the awesome life is at. It's, it's within these boundaries that he has established, that he has dreamt over your life when he was creating you. So if you get to the end of your boundary lines, I felt like God said, he's gonna provide a bridge for you to extend. And I had this picture of Minecraft, I guess, cause we were talking about gaming and stuff. <laughs> um, in Minecraft, you know, you take the, the sword or whatever that little ax thing is and you just start whacking it and it creates the bridge. And so I saw that and I felt like he said, if you get to the end, he says, he will provide a bridge for you to extend. He's gonna provide it for you. The building blocks for the bridge will be like in Minecraft. You will take the sword of his word, this book here. We call the Bible his word. It's, it's like a sword, it's, it's powerful, and it can cut, and it can actually cut and make way for, for things to go through. So you will take the sword of his word and you will speak it out, just like in the Minecrafting, you're hammering away or you're cutting away, but it's building a bridge. He's going to give you his grace to speak that bridge where your boundary line seems to have ended. He will make a way where there seems to be no way, where you feel like you've come to the end. You don't know where else to turn. He's going to make a way for you, and he's going to give you the, the wisdom and understanding how to speak through it and to build a bridge to get to the next place he has for you. You will be a bridge builder. Not, I'm not saying literally, but spiritually, maybe literally, I don't know. You will be a bridge builder for your own destiny and influencing the destiny of others. So we just bless that. I'm not gonna try to speak meaning into that. I just wanna bless you with that. I just wanna bless you with the word, that, the word bridge builder. Is that okay? Was that good? You receive it? And then, so if you receive it, you got to say, I receive it. 
Awesome. <laughs> Ethan, do you receive your word? I receive it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Tammy and I are going to get go. Oh. I was um, doing my daily Bible reading, and God showed me this particular scripture, and I thought, oh my gosh, the body of Christ needs to hear this right now. And it says, behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and COVID and all the rest of the garbage and fear and over all the power of the over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means will hurt you Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness will cover the land. Thick darkness. Yep. I almost, I almost opened that up the other night and read it. dethrone him we are dethroning the enemy see Adam and Eve in the garden basically gave their their de delegated authority that God had given them to go and take dominion over the earth and when they disobeyed God by obeying the devil they gave they took their delegated authority and they made the enemy Satan ruler Jesus came and he took the keys back he, his death and his death burial and resurrection purchased for us back the authority and he said after raising from the dead he said all authority all authority that means the devil has none Amen. so if Jesus has all authority he said all authority has been given to me therefore I'm delegating now you go into all the earth and preach this gospel of the kingdom and the message of the kingdom is a message not just how to get someone to, to go to heaven by accepting Jesus into your heart. I will pause for a second and say, you know, knowing whether or not you're saved is all a matter of coming to faith in Christ. And it's beginning a relationship with him. This is just by, by for me, it was in my living room floor and God was breaking my heart. He was crushing my heart because I hated God. I hated Christians. I hated religion. I hated all of it. And I loved the devil. I'm hate to admit that to you guys, but I did. I loved sin and I loved all that stuff because it was, I thought it was fun, even though it was destructive in my own life. But he crushed my heart in my living room floor with the sword of his word 
a roommate read to me a Bible verse, and I don't even understand why it was such a simple verse about the guy who finds a treasure in a field and then he sells everything he has to go buy that field, and that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then I was just like, like the, the rock inside of my chest shattered and turned to tears. I just don't know how to describe it. But in that moment, I said, Jesus, I'll give you my life. I don't know how I can change. He did. He knew. But I didn't know. I, did, I don't know how you can change my life, but I give you my life. It's all about surrendering to him and saying, I receive. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive for me what you did on the cross. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, having believed, you were marked. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who received him, that means you take him in as your Lord, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave you the right. And that word right is exousia. It means regal authority, royal authority. To those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives you a crown of permission to be a son or daughter of God. An authoritative crown. He crowns you as one of his own. So, yeah, where were we going with that? That was just a little spontaneous one. I have no idea yeah. either. It's going to have a mind with uh, that kind of thing. It just... Get to testimony of how they came to the Lord. Yes, exciting. yes. Yeah. So exciting what Jesus did. Remind me. Form. Remind me at the end of the meeting. I'm going to make a note to self, and I'll contact individuals in the room who feel ready to share a testimony. <laughs> so, yeah, I have no idea where that started, but we're just going to shift shift gears a little. Sorry, stop. <laughs> no public confrontation or anything, you know, but hey, stop it. That's you. better than me, get up and going over there. <laughs> I know you're talking to Tao. What is she doing? I know, knock it off, Tao. <laughs> so, guys and gals, so this was cool that Val mentioned the fivefold ministry because tonight we're actually going to take a minute in our passage. We're, we're working through the book of Hebrews. I'm not like a, an expert Bible theologian who can just like give you every definition of every Greek and Hebrew word and well, this is all in Greek but, or Aramaic, but, but I can do my best and I, I do feel in my heart that the word of God just on its own is nourishment to all of us. So let's have a little steak dinner tonight, shall we? We're in <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3. We made it through chapter 1 and chapter 2, and now we're in chapter 3. So you guys ready? Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. That's the theme. Do not harden your heart. So Hebrews chapter 3, starting at verse 1, says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy. I'm going to repeat that. The, the basis for that statement is because of what Jesus did for you. You have been made holy. It's a position you stand in by faith through grace in the finished work of the cross. You now, right at this moment, stand in the holiness of Jesus. It's yours. You are covered in it. He's got you covered. So, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy, and each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. There's an invitation going out right now to your heart, to your spirit, to your destiny. 
So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle, and it's highlighted because we'll get into that a little bit, and king priest. So Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle, he is our apostle. He's the chief apostle, and he is the, our king priest. Powerful words. We'll unpack it in a minute. For he was faithful to the Father who appointed him in the same way that Moses was a model of faithfulness in what was entrusted to him. So he's comparing Jesus to Moses, but there's a difference. But Jesus is worthy to receive as much greater glory than Moses, for the one who builds a house deserves to be honored more than the house he builds. See the comparison? Moses was a created being. Jesus is the creator. It's like a house that was built and then the builder. So Jesus is like the builder of the house. For the one who builds a house deserves to be honored more than the house he builds. Every house is built by someone, but God is the designer and builder of all things. So Jesus, we, we discussed in chapter 1, he is God. He is God became a, a human being. He became flesh and walked among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so as God, he, he was there creating the universe, creating the world, and he holds all things together by the power of his word, chapter 1 told us. Chapter 2 gave us that insight that because he became a human being just like you and me, was tempted in every way just like you and I are, yet he never sinned because he was God who became flesh, he is able to identify with you and me in everything that we go through. He had to be made like us in every way so that he could taste death on your behalf and my behalf. So he became a man, a human being, so that he could experience death on a cross to take away our punishment, our penalty of death, and credit to us like the great exchange, the divine transfer. He took our sin upon himself, and he exchanged his righteousness and imputed it to you and me when we come to faith in him. And now chapter 3, we're learning that, we're continuing on. He's not, in, well, we also learned in chapter 2 that he's, he's not ashamed to call you brother and sister. He's brought us into a relationship with his father so that we have the spirit of sonship in us that cries out to God, Daddy, Father, God. We get to call God our Father just like Jesus, and we get to call Jesus our big brother. I know it's uncomfortable. I still have to get used to it, but he's not ashamed to call you brother. So just, just ponder that. But he's also our apostle and our king priest. So let's take a look at, this is the Passion Footnotes. So Brian Simmons, he gave me some cheat notes here. So with apostle, God joins the apostolic and the priestly ministries together in Christ. So Jesus is our great high priest, and he's our, our, our apostle. An apostle will always release God's people into their priestly calling of entering into the Holy of Holies without going through a system, a church, or a person. Okay, I'm going to expound a little bit more than what Brian Simmons has there for apostle, but I'll read the rest. The word king-priest is from the Aramaic, which uses a word for a priest, not of the Levitical order. 
So in the Old Testament, we had the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi. That is the, the tribe that God had destined and designed to be the, the priesthood tribe. The whole book of Leviticus talks about all the stuff they, get a, they got to do with blood sacrificing of animals and ritual cleansings, all that stuff. It's, it's a pretty awesome book, <laughs> if you can get through it. <clears throat> so the priests were designated by God in the Old Testament in the, in the Hebrew temple to come from the line of, of Levi. Okay, Jesus was not from that tribe. So Jesus could not be a high priest for he was not born of the tribe of Levi or a descendant of Aaron, but he was from the tribe of Judah. Uh, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the word here for priest is not Cohen, and I didn't know that the word Cohen, which is a lot of Hebrew people's last name, I deliver mail to a Cohen up here on Juniper Street. And the next chance I get, I'm gonna just tell him, man, you know your name means priest? <clears throat> it's not the same word here for priest is not the word Cohen, but it's an Aramaic word. I'm not going to try to be accurate with the pronunciation because I didn't look it up. I forgot. Kumreya. Sounds, sounds right, right? Sounds good to me. Kumreya. It's probably Kumreya. Ah, who knows? But the word used, it's the same word. It's, the, it's a word that, that means priest, but it was the word used for Jethro. I'm not going to go into who Jethro is. And Melchizedek. Now, we're going to learn about Melchizedek. This guy, this mysterious figure, is in the book of Hebrews, and he's in the Old Testament. He appeared, and there's a lot of mystery around his, who he is. Okay, I'm not going to talk about that tonight. But it's the same word. Jesus is given the same word of king-priest, not in the Levitical priesthood sense, but in the Melchizedek priesthood sense. So... We'll go into that a little bit more later with, with the Melchizedek priesthood and Jesus being our great high priest. Because in the book of Hebrews, we are going to look at the Hebrew temple. Um, you know, we're, we're talking in the previous the passage about how Moses, you know, like, uh, we'll, we'll just, I'll skip that. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail if I go down that road. No. Was, that's Moses' father-in-law. We're looking at each other. We're going to walk through this. M M M <laughs> Moses is... Yes. I'm not an Old Testament scholar by any means. I've read through it many times, and I, I know the important parts that I need to know. But I could get a lot more, a lot more better. I can grow, I can grow in my understanding of the Old Testament for sure. We're going to talk a little bit about apostolic and what that means. Because if Jesus is our apostle, should you know what that means? if he's an apostle. We're going to look at this scripture first. So this is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This is not the Passion Translation, so it's not as passionate. I believe it's the ESV or NIV. So Christ himself, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus gave something to us. He gave apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. And he gave the pastors and the teachers to do all of the ministry, just to, to while we sit in, in the pews or in the chairs at church building in church buildings and pay them to do all the ministry? Is that what he gave them to do? I think so. <laughs> Shh. Hush. Hush, woman. <laughs> Let's look at this scripture. He gave those. We call that the fivefold ministry. 
fivefold ministry. There's five of them. These are what we call offices in the body of Christ. They're gifts that are a gift, and it's an office gift. It's a, a function for a purpose. He gave those five to equip his people for works of service. Hmm. So apostles are sent to equip us for works of service, as well as prophets are sent to, to equip us for works of service. So each one is a different gift given to the church to equip us to do specific works. So we should know what an apostle is and does, as well as a prophet, an evangelist, and a pastor and teacher. These gifts Jesus intended to equip all of us, all of the saints, so that we would be, I kind of like to change, take those words and emphasize, we could be apostolic, we could be prophetic, we could have an evangelistic heartbeat in us to go and win the lost, that we could become pastoral. There's, there's, there's God's heart inside of you that wants for you and I to learn how to care for people the way a pastor would care. They're also called shepherds. And by the way, this is the only place in the New Testament where the word pastor is in the book. We're very comfortable with calling people pastor, and I'm getting used to it. You know, I'll call myself pastor, Pastor Scott, Pastor Tammy. You guys can call yourselves pastors too if you have a pastoral heart. It's more than just a title given in a church to designate you in a certain function in, in the gathering. It's actually an anointing of God that can rest on your heart and on your spirit so that you can love people the way God loves them. See, his heart is that heaven and his nature and his character would, would rest on you and me so that we could represent him correctly, that we would represent him well in the earth. How many know that people don't want to be Christians most of the time because they see how Christians live and they think that we're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm not speaking about anyone in this room because none of you would ever be hypocritical and do stuff you shouldn't do, right? And if I'm pointing a finger at you, I've got three pointing right back at me. So we're not here to, to point fingers and to pick splinters and telephone poles out of our eyes because that could get messy. God's heart is that you and I would know him intimately and personally, and we would represent him. So apostle, I don't have notes for it. I, I was going to try to find some nicely, concisely put together things. But basically an apostle, you won't find the word apostle in the Old Testament. There is no office of apostle in the Old Testament. Apostle is a New Testament Greek word, a Roman word. An apostle, and I don't know if it's apostolos or something like this. We will just say it in English. Apostle. An apostle was a delegate. So, if you know any history about the the earth and the nations of the earth and the the great uh, movements of power upon the earth, the Roman culture grew from Rome and began to expand all over the known earth. Would you agree with that? The Romans built roadways. They built waterways and when they when they extended from Rome they sent their delegates which who would be considered apostles they would be representatives or in in our English language today we would think of it more as an ambassador they would send their but they were more like centurion soldiers sent to romanize newly conquered territory 
So an apostle is someone who wants to create a home away from home. So if Jesus is our apostle, then he came here to earth to make earth like a home away from home. And if we receive a person who has a gifting or in the office of apostle, what they impart to us is a heart to see the kingdom of God come into the earth to make where you live and where you walk in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood, an expression of heaven. You would be an ambassador of heaven, an apostolic representation of what is in heaven here on earth. Does that make sense? Should I go any further into that? Apostles, in a sense, I, I like to think of it this way. An apostle is like an architect. So Paul, who is a well-known apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, he he would look at the churches, not the buildings themselves, because a building, church is not a building. A church is people. This building could explode, and if we're still alive and not in it when it explodes, we are the church. We are Legacy City Church, not this building. So an apostle like Paul would look at the church, the gathering of believers, and he would look at the foundations of how they were living life and functioning together in unity. And he would see this heavenly blueprint of how Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. So an apostle sees the blueprint of how heaven functions and flows and it, with wisdom and anointing speaks into the foundation of the church so that the church would have a, a, a heavenly foundation that honors God and flows with the spirit. Does that make sense? Apostles are also fathers. Paul said, you know, you have many fathers, but I became a father to you in the faith. An apostle has an apostolic fathering heart. See, the church is not just a grouping of people to be a country club where we have members who have a country club card, and you're like, okay, I'm a member of a yacht club, whatever type of club you want to call it. We're not card-carrying members of a club where we're just friends and associates. God's heart is that we are a family. He is our father. Jesus considers you brothers and sisters, and we are a part of his family. And when we are an expression of his family in a building, then we would relate to one another in more of a family-like way. And God's heart is that we would be in unity together. We would honor one another. We would call out the giftings and treasures in one another. And apostles are like fathers that way. They, they see... They see the church as sons and daughters, and the ultimate heartbeat that they carry is to see the sons and daughters of God grow into maturity, which is the rest of that passage there. So I'll get back to the Word of God. You guys okay? I know that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully. Amen, brother. There you go. Thank, thank you. I could use a little amen now and then. Amen. All right, so Christ gave the fivefold ministry, the yellow part there, to equip the people saints, that's us, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until, I'll get to the until in a second, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That, that theme is repeated all throughout the New Testament by Paul, that God's will is that you and I would become mature, growing up into the full stature of, of the likeness of Christ, that we would be just like Jesus. 
you get born again, you get saved, and you're like a baby Christian. And there's moms and dads in the church that will, will raise us up and train us up and speak life and encourage. You can walk. You can walk. We know you can do it. Get up again and walk. And you fall like a toddler down on your face and start crying. And It's okay. You're going to walk one day. So that's what, that's what spiritual parents do. They also change your diapers when you mess your pants. But I almost said something else. When you mess your britches. So anyway... Where were we at? Messing the britches. <laughs> and growing up from baby Christians to toddler Christians to teenagers. You know, some people that are Christians, they could be 80 years old and they're still wearing diapers. Yes. It depends. It, it does. It, it depends. That was, that was perfect. And you still have to part the beard and insert the nipple. I don't know. You know. That was a pastor said that one, so I, fig- I thought I could say it in church, too, if he could. Oh, I forgot about that, that was a large... <laughs> oh, yes, it was. That was hilarious. Hey, God's, God's heart, he's patient with us. He wants us to grow into maturity. Yeah. And, and it's all because of Jesus. We want, we want Jesus to be honored amongst those who, don't, who do not yet, who don't know him. Yeah. So the, the more we represent him correctly in the earth, the better. And the less accusation of hypocrisy and raising the fist, whatever. You know, we, we, want, the, we want the church to shine bright because we're the bright ones, the shiny ones. Okay, I highlighted the word until. I'll just say it real briefly. Many will tell you apostles and prophets, those ceased when the Bible was completed. There's a big portion of the church, of the body of Christ, that believes that the gifts of the Spirit ceased, as well as the apostles and the prophets. They do accept evangelists because they know that that guy or girl, usually a guy, because if they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, then they don't believe women should be in ministry either. So they would say that guy, that evangelist who travels around the country and fills up stadiums with people and throws the gospel message out and the people just get saved because that's a gift on their life. They'll accept that one, but they definitely believe in teachers, pastors and teachers. For some reason, though, they say apostles and prophets, they died. They ceased when the Bible was completed. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is their basis, because it says in there, Paul said, he's talking about love and the gifts of the Spirit. He said, you know, right now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, they say, perfection, that's the Bible. When perfection comes then all of those things will go away. So whatever, that's really trying to try, strain hard to apply a verse to, to, you know, say that those things ceased. But this scripture here tells us that those gifts will still be in, in action so that the body of Christ may be built up until, we have an until, so when will we not need these gifts anymore? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ don't think we're there yet so I think we could use apostolic prophetic evangelistic pastoral <clears throat> teaching gifts yeah. in the church yeah. all right so let's move on we're going to get through this, this is going to flow fast I don't have a whole lot of um, footnotes to go over tonight except for where you see a yellow highlight so indeed verse uh, whatever I can't read it because it's too tiny oh verse five indeed Moses served God faithfully in all he gave him to do his work, this was what I was going to 
cheat and get ahead of myself. His work, the work that Moses did, prophetically illustrates things that would later be spoken of and fulfilled. But Christ is more than a servant. He was faithful as a son in charge of God's house. And now, we are part of his house. If we continue courageously to hold firm to our bold confidence and our victorious hope. That's our word tonight to take hold of, that, that God is calling you and me to be courageous and to take hold of him in spite of what comes our way, in spite of what it looks like in the world. God has destined for us victory. He has destined for us hope. If you or I become hopeless in any area of our lives, that right there is an indicator that we're believing a lie. Because if God is not hopeful in that area, then you have permission to not be hopeful. If, is there anything God is hopeless about? I don't think so. So if he's not hopeless about anything and I have hopelessness, then I need to find out what I'm believing that's a lie and I need to, to throw it off and I need to find my perspective from his perspective. I need to climb up on his lap. I need to step into the heavenly realm, into the realm of the spirit, where I am, the Bible tells us, where I am currently seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I need to look at life from the throne room. Do I have anything to be hopeless about? No, I don't. But that doesn't mean that I'll never find hopelessness creeping in. Because the enemy's a liar and he spews lies at us to create hopelessness. So, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, holding on. That's, that's the takeaway tonight, is that we wouldn't shrink back, we wouldn't stop listening to God, but we would, we would hold fast to him and we wouldn't lose hope. So I highlighted the words, his work prophetically illustrates things, because when Moses was on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, and when he went to, into God's presence on the mountain to to receive from him instructions about what this tabernacle, what this dwelling place of God would look like. God was very specific with him about measurements, like really strict measurements. It wasn't like, oh, you know, just throw it together, I don't know, like 50 by 300 feet or something. No, he was like very detailed. And there's a reason for that, because what Moses was instructed by God to build here on earth, and then later on, Saul, David and Solomon uh, recreated this structure into the, one of the most, probably one of the seven wonders of the world, if we could actually see it today. That temple, the diagram of the temple that God gave Moses to build is an exact representation of a spiritual, heavenly tabernacle or temple. I don't know where it's at. I don't know what it exactly looks like, but it was important to God that what was in heaven was replicated here on earth because there's so much about the earthly tabernacle that spoke symbolically of heavenly things. So Moses prophetically illustrates as a builder the things that God would reveal through Christ. So here's the footnote for that. To, or it could mean to testify. So Moses would testify. The Aramaic can be translated, he believed all the evidence in the house. He believed all the evidence in the house or tabernacle. That is, Moses saw, so God showed him things. He saw and believed that the tabernacle and all of its furnishings were an illustration of something greater 
that God would un unveil later on. This is not the day to go into it. It's getting late, and we're at the end here anyway. So, but you're like, yeah, hopefully not. It's we could probably spend a few few Sundays just talking about the temple and how you are the temple. Anyway, well, so we'll go there. So he continues in verse eight, and he's quoting from Psalm 95 in the book of Hebrews. This is why the Holy Spirit says, "If only you would listen to His voice this day." Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts like your ancestors did during the day of their rebellion when they were tested in the wilderness. There, your fathers tested me and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still doubted me. We can't get mad at them. We see miracles and we still have our doubts. This ignited my anger with that generation. And I said about them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet, and they refuse to learn my ways. My heart, God says, grieved over them, so I decreed, he spoke, they will never enter my rest. There's something about unbelief, something about doubt in the face of God revealing his nature, even through the creation, the world that we see, the mountains, the, the moon and the sky, the stars, the sun, everything we experience, we are without excuse, Romans 1 tells us. Because of the created order, it's the evidence of God's fingerprints are all over everything. The fact that we're sitting in a room communicating with eyes and ears and fingers, and I mean, we're just... We're miracles. This is a miracle. This is not an accident. There was not a big bang that created a stopwatch. You know, it's monkey crap. Anyway, okay, so. <laughs> sorry, guys. God is grieved. God is grieved when there's, when there's unbelief. He's patient with you and me. We are sons and daughters. He has already credited to you the holiness and righteousness of Jesus through his blood. So we can rest in that, but we need to stay resting in that position. We need to remain in that place of walking with him in his finished work and trusting in him. Just trusting in him. Our eyes fixed on Jesus continually. Even though you're walking around, doing life, playing games, going to work, cooking food, scrubbing toilets. I heard about that last week. We won't, we won't go there, but there's only two people in the house, right? Or is there more? Never mind. I won't, never mind. I said I wasn't going to go there. She has to scrub the toilet. Isn't it your turn once in a while to do it? Anyway, I'm joking. I'm teasing you. Every day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay. So... Still, still they doubted me. So God, God is grieved when we doubt, and he's grieved enough to where with Israel, he said, he declared, they will never enter my rest. Does that mean there was no hope for them? No. So Psalm, we, we look at Psalm 95 for that passage that uh, we believe it could be Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, is quoting from. Notice the truth that the Bible is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us. Because he says, as the Spirit says. And then he quoted the Old Testament. So we know that the written word of God is the word of God. This book contains the very Spirit-inspired words. It is the, the word of God, not just inspired. 
The Greek is taken from the Septuagint and is literally there they tested me by trial. That is, they continually doubted God's faithfulness to them. We must never doubt God, even in a season of difficulty. And again, that is where we're at today. We are, many of us, we don't want to put this on our kids. Like, you, you kids, you are under our protection as parents, right? We don't put upon you our financial stress, the stress of the world, although we do share some things on Getter and you know, or whatever, social media. We do let you know about some of the political stuff, but we don't put it all on you. We want to we protect you youngsters and nurture you up so that you're not weighed down by all of our cares, but we do want to train you so that you're not ignorant of the fact of what's going on in this world. But you are, you are under the covering of your families. And for us as the heads of our homes, it's our responsibility to hold fast, hold fast to what is true even in the seasons of difficulty, that we wouldn't let what's going on in our vision, in our vision around us direct us and influence us to the point where we don't listen to the Father, we don't listen to the voice of God, and we don't follow Him and see things, see life from His perspective. And we're going to finish it with this. So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters. Make sure that none of you has evil or unbelieving, uh, excuse me, unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray. Sin will lead you astray. And it will make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other <clears throat> to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's what sin does. It it's hardens our hearts. It makes us callous. For we are mingled. You and I are mingled with the Messiah. We are united to him. We are one with him. If we continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end from faith to faith from glory to glory you don't just ask Jesus into your heart and then drop the baton and go live life however you want and trust that you still are in Christ that's, that that's just doesn't fit God designed you and me to walk with him from the day you said yes to him doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day and you might kind of slip out of communion with him he doesn't he's it's not a religious routine a bunch of hoops that you have to hop through to to keep his favor or earn his favor but his heart is that you and i would hold hands with him that we would stay in union with him from this day forward until the end until you take your last breath does that mean you're not going to have a, a day now and then no you're going to have a day where you feel like you haven't really focused on him or talked to him or even read the word. It's not about that. It's about drifting. It's a process of drifting away further and further. And the dangerous point, only you and God really knows where that danger point is at. When you lose all conviction and all, all sensitivity to even wanting anything to do with God, I would say that is the danger point. But if you're in a relationship with God, and you are concerned that you haven't spent time with him, I think that's a good sign that you're okay. You still have sensitivity to him. You still have a hunger for him. And you acknowledge that, yeah, I've neglected time with you, God, and I want to be with you so bad. I want to be in your presence. That is a good place to be. That's not bad right there. Bad is when you've lost all sensitivity. Your heart has become calloused and hard, and you don't even care anymore. 
Again, the scripture says, if only today you would listen to his voice. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts as you did in the wilderness rebellion. And here's the final part. <clears throat> the same people who, who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It's clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. All right, so let's stand up, guys and gals. Ladies and germs. Did that, that didn't feel like a heavy word, did it? You know, we, we talked about there are six warnings in Hebrews, and that's this, uh, the second warning. I think it's the second one. The first one was in chapter 2, and this one is another. It's a warning. It's about not allowing sin to harden our hearts towards God. We, we don't want to stop listening to his voice. Can I say something about that? No. <laughs> Go ahead. in a place like that where I I used to listen to a lot of and I'm, I'm not putting this on anyone I believe when you are in Christ you are free you are free but don't use your freedom as a license to sin okay and don't use your freedom to yeah well I was going to just repeat the same thing we don't want to use our freedom in a way that causes us to get so desensitized to the voice of God in our lives and passion and our end to water down our passion for him so I used to listen to lots of different kinds of music I still will put on some Metallica once in a while once in a while not every song maybe you know something from I don't know Ride the Lightning or something you guys are, I don't even know what that means just one of the albums you know some of us like Pink Floyd I was just quoting some lyrics the other night and I lost you guys you're like I'm out of here <laughs> It's just stuff I like. And I feel like there's freedom. There, there are freedoms that God gives us the permission to do, but we don't want to use that freedom in a way to where it causes us to be out of focus and begin to distance ourselves from him. So I chose for myself to put all of the non-Christian music aside and just listen to worship music. And it, it unlocked things inside of me. I used to, yeah, and then but I got that, rid of it. See how all. God switched it where you love to be a worship yes. person now. Exactly. His music, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and so I have freedom to occasionally listen to something that I would have. I, I got rid of it all. When I got saved, I 
sold all my records to a record shop and I had a lot of black metal albums, scary stuff. Should have burned it, but I didn't. I just thought, well, I'll get some money out of it. <laughs> Someone else can have that stuff. <laughs> That's what I did, but I, I got rid of it and I, I didn't listen to anything except for I forced myself to like what we now know as Spirit 105 or whatever it is, Spirit. Back then it was KCMS, <laughs> Christian Radio. I forced myself to listen to Sandy Patty and all that stuff that was just, just gross music. <laughs> I did. I just I was like, I hate this, but God, I'm doing it. I, was just like, <laughs> I, I, I promise you, God started to speak to me through some of those songs. I found Christian artists that weren't so corny, and well, maybe others thought it was, but I actually started getting softened in my heart towards what God was doing in that music, yeah. and then worship just exploded my life. Anyway, we're, we're continuing on here, but I know you guys want to pray, so if you want to go, you can go. So let's just pray. Okay. Oh, I'm just going to pop this up on the screen. Do not harden your heart. So, Lord, I just, I, I stand together with my family here in this room. And Lord, we, we hear your word. We, we heard your word tonight. Do not harden your hearts as our forefathers, as our spiritual forefathers did. Even after they saw the signs and the miracles and how you showed your faithfulness and you provided for them, yet they still chose to harden their hearts and, and walk in unbelief. God, we thank you that you have destined us for greater things that we are not those who shrink back, but we are those who will walk with you and run forward with you who are of faith. And tonight, God, we just, we lay down our worries. We lay down our fears. And Lord Jesus, we receive from you the confidence that we need. We receive from you the courage that we need. So Holy Spirit, tonight, I just want to declare over us the courage of heaven. Just release your spirit tonight that courage would rise up in our hearts, that the comfort and peace and the shalom, the peace of God, the shalom of heaven would rest over every person in this room. That Holy Spirit, you are called the comforter, that you would come like a blanket even now and that you would release your grace over us and your comfort. And we just hear your voice tonight, just speaking to our souls, speaking to our, our spirits be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. You calm the waters of our hearts, Lord. You calm the troubled waters. And we rest in the ship with you. If you can sleep through the storms, then we will rest with you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your, your goodness. We thank you for your favor. Thank you for your promises. All of your promises are yes and amen. And we hold fast to your promises tonight. So we, we would say amen, but I'm just going to say you're free to be dismissed if you got to go. And you guys all know, hang out as long as you want, visit as long as you want. But I do want to just open up the front here and offer prayer. If anyone needs prayer, um, while everyone's mingling about and fellowshipping, just come up to the front. We'll take some time and pray for one another. If that's everybody, then come.